What is going on, travelers? Welcome to episode 83 of The Resonance, a weekly Genshin Impact podcast. I am your host, Ran, and this week I am flying solo. Unfortunately, over Thanksgiving weekend, everyone caught a little bit of a bug, so she's feeling a little bit under the weather. So she's going to take this week to try and regain her strength so she can come back on episode 84 to where me and her will be diving headfirst into the Farina character chapter that you're all be looking forward to. So this week it's just going to be you and me as we go over some basic news as well as a little bit of Fontaine reflection in the second half to which I'll be comparing and contrasting Fontaine to the previous expansions and just giving a little bit of a personal reflection and insight as to what I was able to take from the area. Uh, which this actually managed to work out really well for me because I actually have not had a chance to experience Farina's character chapter for myself. I have managed to watch a couple of different Twitch streamers experience it, and it is a very good character chapter, despite some of uh, Paimon's interjections in there and the way she kind of treats Farina. But overall, it, it's a very good experience, and uh, there, there's a lot to be had there. Uh, as far as like this week goes, I've just been busy. I managed to get Risley up to a full triple crown and got to level 10 on all three of his talents. So he's been a lot of fun and it's been putting in the work a lot for me. Managed to build up my BP. I think I'm up to like level like 44, 45, something like that. So trying to get up to that level 50 before it gets ready for the reset in a couple weeks. And managed to uh, get the last part of the UA up to 100% in Bishui Plains by finding a chest that I had to dig up that the treasure compass decided not to find. So with that, all my areas in Genshin, including Inkonomiya and Dragonspine, are finally at 100% completion. And that is a... It's, it's a huge weight off and a very good sense of accomplishment once you do something like that. Because now I can just log in, hit my dailies, hit my weeklies... Go and grind up those artifacts and those talent materials and just keep on moving on until the next big update. Nothing in, uh, nothing in the rearview mirror to have to go back and chase down. If you are not yet following us on social media, you can join the podcast at Twitter and on Blue Sky. Our address is at HoyoCast, in which I'll be sharing some content from the Discord, posting announcements and updates to episode releases, as well as sharing nice little comic strips and little goofy Genshin bits that I find on Twitter that I think that you'll enjoy. Uh, you can also follow me personally on Twitch at ThatRanMan. You can also follow Emerald when she streams at Emerald Reigns whenever we decide to stream our Genshin Impact adventures. Uh, sometimes we play co-op with some of our friends from the Discord. And even sometimes we manage to play other games. So it makes for a pretty good time if you'd like to come and join us on there. For more engagement, you can also join our Discord community, discord.gg forward slash the resonance, where our community seems to be growing every single day. You can jump in, join in for discussions such as character builds, advice, uh, abyss strategies, jump in on the question of the week submissions and discussions to share your insight on that or submit questions of your own, as well as just general discussion. You can even talk about other games if you'd like to. Uh, we're a very friendly community. We don't put up with any toxic behavior. So if you're looking for a nice, friendly place to relax and talk about your favorite game and characters and such, give us a try. And I think you'll be, I think you'll be pleased with what you find. And uh, we would definitely love to have you there. It is a little bit of a slow news week this week. The first little bit is that the Thelxie's Fantastic Adventures is wrapping up with the final uh, Part 3 chapter coming out today. Uh, throughout the event, we've managed to go through a very uh, somber and heartfelt story that ended on a bit of a bittersweet note. But at the end of it, you also managed to get some very special rewards uh, on top of the regular Primo gems and the character ascension materials, missing enhancement or and things like that. We also managed to get a very nice Water Imp Prince furnishing for our teapot, which is going to be a nice little reminder of all the, uh, again, the, the, the kind of like the, the nice but bittersweet experiences that we had throughout this little side event in our adventures with uh, uh, Fremenet, which we actually got a free copy of as well. Uh, we also got a new little, uh, not really a, its own individual gadget, but a nice little addition to our camera, which is the Special Analysis Zoom Lens, which will be joining your little trinket uh, part of your inventory. And all you simply go to is you go down, you can activate it or deactivate it should you choose to. And whenever you use your camera, if it is activated, you'll now have a nice, pleasant zoom function where you'll be able to 
zoom in and out on your camera, which seems like a feature that should have been here for a nice long time, but it's good to have it now uh, nonetheless. So I know previously a lot of people were using that uh, lens that we got in Inazuma to identify, I believe it was the mystical fox statues. So no more having to jump back and forth on that. Now you can just use your regular camera like normal and take all those wonderful pictures, share them with the community, and yeah, it's, it's just a nice little addition that we've really been looking forward to. The major part of the news that came out is that we have the Masquerade of the Guilty version 4.2 Phase 2 will be going live, and that will be starting off on November 28th, which is basically when this episode goes live, and it will run until December 19th. On the banner which we have for this uh, Phase 2, we have both Sino and Kamisato Ayato making their reruns. So if you need to add any of these very cool and dapper men to your roster, then now is your time. If you also need to build up your constellation or to collect some new 4 stars that you're missing, Kirara, Kukishinobu, and Zhang Ling will also be joining the roster. And all three of these make very fantastic supports. Uh, Kirara is a very solid dendro support, Kukishinobu with Electro Application and Healing, and Zhang Ling, who is secretly the Pyro Archon from everything that I'm told, uh, either her or Bennett, is always going to be great for your Pyro application. You know, she always sees pretty much peak application during the Abyss runs and just general, uh, general adventuring content. So uh, definitely a full roster uh, if either of these characters, uh, Ayato or Sino, catch your fancy. You need to be constellations. This is going to be a very good banner to try and pull. Uh, joining them on this uh, this banner will also have the epitome invocation to where the Haran Gepaku Futsu, which is going to be Kamisato Ayato's uh, very fancy blue water sword, and the Staff of the Scarlet Sands, which is going to be Sino's crit stick uh, spear, will be joining. So if you need either of those weapons to go with your new characters, or if you just want them in general, then now's your time to get those. I actually managed to get Sino's weapon on a whim. I'm really not sure how or why. But uh, it's been a nice little crit stick for Zhongli since I got it, since I decided not to use the uh, the Tassel HP Spear. Joining those two weapons as the four-star feature weapons will be the Lion's Roar Sword, the Favonius Greatsword Claymore, the Favonius Lance, the Witsith Catalyst, the Favonius Warbow, and all these are definitely very solid additions, especially the Favonius weapons. Uh, you can never have enough energy recharge in your teams, it feels like. So if you need to get any of these, highly recommended. I wouldn't pull for any of them specifically, because uh, they're all on the regular standard banner. But if you manage to try and pull for either Sino or Ayato's character weapons, then they do make nice little additions should you happen to get them on chance. The next part of the event is going to be the Little Fungi's Fantastic Fiesta, which will start on December 6th and run until December 18th. So you'll get two full weeks of this. And this will be the Fungi Mechanicus Challenges, which we experienced at the end of Sumeru. Uh, basically a nice little, uh, kind of like a Pokemon Arena battle event featuring our nice little shroom buddies, you know, Bongo Head and the like. During the event, you'll command the little fungi to defeat all the opponents in a stage, and as you do, you will complete the challenge and obtain primo gems, character talent materials, weapon enhancement materials, and other rewards. Uh, per usual, uh, from what I can tell, based on the the screenshot, we got the, I think that is the equity or maybe the justice scrolls that you'll need for uh, for some of the new Fontaine characters. To take part in this event, you will need to be Adventure Rate 20 or above, and of course, complete the Archon Quest, Song of the Dragon and Freedom. So if you're well on your way through the area of Mondstadt, at least, you should be good to go to take part in this event. The next part that we have will start from December 11th and run until December 18th, in which you will have one full week to take part in the Ley Line Overflow, which is Pharaoh's definitely favorite event in which this time you will be able to challenge the Blossoms of Wealth and Blossoms of Revelation up to three times a day, and use your original resin to double your rewards. This lets you save your condensed resins for those wonderful artifact and character talent material domains that you'll need to be running uh, nonstop for your Sino and Ayato that you just managed to pull off the new banners. So again, you'll get a whole week of that. Double rewards, always good to build up your Mora and your Adventurer Experience stock. 
And the last part of the Phase 2 event, we have the Genius Invocation TCG, new Heated Battle Mode, which will run from the November 25th to December 11th. So that is actually going on now. And currently in this Heated Battle Mode, you will use character cards that are selected on the spot. And you will have to use randomly generated action cards in order to do battle. Take part in this new Heated Battle Mode to obtain more Lucky Coin rewards. To take part in this, you will need to be Adventure Rank 32 or above, complete the Archon Quest Prologue Act 3, Song of the Dragon and Freedom, and complete the World Quest Battlefield of Dice, Cats, and Cards. So if you're already jumping into the Genius Invocation TCG, then uh, you should be well on your way to take part in the new Heated Battle Mode to try and obtain some extra Lucky Coin rewards, get those fancy card backs, animated cards, new characters, and all that good stuff. Uh, it's actually kind of nice to see the TCG still going strong. And I wonder when the next TCG event is going to be. I'm sure there are still a lot of people that are looking forward to that. I know Dalt likes to take part in those events. But that actually wraps up the news this week. Like I said, pretty uh, could be a pretty short episode this time. Nice and laid back. You lose a lot of content when you don't have the co-host to banter with you back and forth and uh, call you out on your nonsense and reflect on things that you've been going through on throughout the week uh, within the world of Tavat. So with all that done, we are going to take a little break. And then when we come back, I'm just going to jump into a small little reflection on the area of Fontaine itself, the expansions and everything that we've experienced in, uh, in the 4.0 and up uh, releases. So we're going to go ahead and do that, and I will see you here in a moment. back well thank you very much for sticking with me i know it's kind of an uneventful episode but uh i would say that this is going to be kind of our relaxed little interlude between the extremely long bonus episode you got last week that ran off for nearly two hours covering the 4.2 archon quest and that was uh one heck of an adventure and i feel like when we dive into farina's character chapter you're definitely going to get a lot more of that uh, it's going to be a nice little deep dive and a nice little reflection on Farina as a character, uh, what she's doing now, and where she'll be going on in the future. So you can look forward to that in episode 84 next week. But this week, I just want to take a little time. Uh, see, I'm sitting here by myself, just you and me, one-on-one, and just kind of give a little reflection on what we've been able to experience in Fontaine, because it has been one heck of a ride. From first landing there at the harbor after seeing the waterfalls coming out of the back of Sumeru, and being absolutely awestruck by the just pure visuals of something completely just fresh and new that we haven't seen before. Just going down, meeting uh, Lynette and Lenny right off the get-go, running into Fiorina, and experiencing her rather eccentric character that, as we learned throughout our adventure, is definitely probably one of the best performative facades that I've ever experienced in any kind of game or movie media. Uh, it has been an absolutely wondrous experience running through Fontaine. To be able to go there and meet these characters and to start off immediately and in going into basically a, a, a murder mystery kind of whodunit uh, scenario where we're trying to decipher clues and having this whole detective case going on throughout the trial to be able to go from that to feigning imprisonment and going to the Fortress of Meripede and being locked up and uncovering what's going on within the fortress itself, meeting Risley, trying to chase down Child and see what he's going on to, trying to uncover what Arlecchino and the Fatubi are, are doing while Lenny and Lynette are actually imprisoned in the fortress, finding out the truth of the primordial sea uh, everything that went on with Vache and the missing women of Fontaine and how everything with that just kind of came full circle with the prophecy that had been circling around Fontaine. Coming all the way up and 
you know, uncovering that Nuvolet being the Hydro Dragon, and then uncovering everything that's been going on with Fochalor and Farina and the Split in Divinity and just what has been going on for the last 500 years in this nation to take part in a grand story like that that started off with a, a rather whimsy beginning with its increasingly darkening tones from everything that happened from, again, just the sudden murder and people dissolving in the murder mystery, uh, all the way up to the things with Vache, to the experience with Navia and the way she the way she had to handle like her loss from her father and, and Malus and Silver. Uh, seeing the the behind the scenes was still very intricate parts that characters like Clorind and Siegewing have come in and played while making everything just come together very seamlessly has been fantastic storytelling, not only on behalf of Genshin, Genshin Impact, but just in video game media in general. I feel like ever since we started with the humble beginnings of Mondstadt and you know all the stuff with Storm Terror and Venti, uh, with Senora moving on to, you know, Zhongli and the feigning of his death to try and pass the reins to Ningguang and the, the human population of Liyue. Um, you know, the, the, the decree that Raiden Shogun put down and all the turmoil that was going on with the, with the war. It's, it's been an adventure and it's been just an, exponential increase in storytelling that I feel has always constantly and steadily been growing. Um, but it really took off when we went to Sumeru with everything revolving around the Aramites, Nahida's imprisonment, the stuff with uh, Nilu in the, with, the, with the festival. And when we when we get through all that, we you know we we, we and all the adventures with the uncovering uh, the wanderer and setting him free, and giving him his second chance at you know, an actual a, a meaningful life. To to see the way that the storytelling has grown, and to see it really, just continue to build up in a cumulative fashion with Fontaine and really just keep hitting these new highs and these new peaks is something that I think Genshin players have really come to be thankful for. Um, I personally feel like the story writing, you know, took, took a big stumble in Inazuma, not for basic, you know, any basis and premise because I felt like the basic story and everything was very, very good, but it was a little, a little jumbled and a little mishandling of side characters and, and the such like that. And then when we get into Sumeru, the the use of side characters to sew them more seamlessly and consistently into the main story got much, much better. And as we've gone into Fontaine, like I said, as soon as we land, we run into Lenny, Lynette, and Farina. And Farina being a main character, but Lenny and Lynette are, you know, kind of side characters. But throughout every chapter of the Archon quest in Fontaine thus far, it feels as if every character that has become playable, that we've come to meet, has played a role. Um, Fremenet, you know, we, we ran into him briefly in the, in the very first Archon quest. We just kind of met him. He got kind of shine ran off. But as we've gone through and gone past the trial and the experience with Vachet, uh, we run into to, you know Fremenet again in the Fortress of Meripede. Lenny and Lynette are there pretty much every chapter. Uh, Navia and Clorin have came into play in the very first chapter, and they stayed prominent, with Navia having a little more of a hands-on role, while Clorin did a lot behind the scenes that you didn't really see but you knew was important. But you're always made aware that she's there and she's doing something. Uh, Nuvalent Farina always being prominent. Farina stealing the show on just about any scene that she shows up on. And Risley, even though he wasn't 
you know, formally introduced until the forces of Meripede hit, uh, him and Siegeween, when they came into play, once we were made aware of them, we met their acquaintances, some that are everywhere. We see them consistently through the story. Charlotte, who we ran into in Sumeru, uh, before we even made it to Fontaine, who was actually, I believe, the first Fontanian character that we run into, is constantly making an appearance. And while maybe not always playing a very vital or very prominent role, is always very, is, is still there. You're made aware of her existence. And even in the final chapter, she submits her findings to help us in the final trial against Farina. So Fontaine has taken a lot that they managed to learn from their past mistakes as far as like character integration and storytelling and making everything seem to flow together a lot better. Uh, I mean, in retrospect, if you look back to earlier events, in Mondstadt, I mean, Klee exists, but she doesn't really do a whole lot in the main story. Neither do, you know, Eula. Or, and Razor's there, but Razor kind of falls off a little bit halfway through. Um, as far as, like, main characters, we do a lot of the, a lot of adventuring with, uh, you know, you see Jean and Lisa and Venti. A lot, it's a lot of Venti, a lot of Barbara. But as we've gone through these areas, uh, even Lee Yue... You know, it got a little bit better. We saw some of Beidou popping in here and there. Ningguang was there always. We didn't see a whole lot of, like, Shinha um, catching or Ganyu. They were just kind of here and there kind of doing their own thing. And the same in Inazuma. Uh, we went to, you know, we run into Yoimiya. We do a lot of adventuring with Toma. And then they kind of take a back seat as we run into characters like Goro and Kujo Sara and the and, and Kokomi with the whole strife with Watatsumi Island, and then a lot of the areas that we we dive into, such as the various other islands with their different puzzles, and a lot of the side characters kind of fell off in Inazuma. And Inazuma had a lot of great exploration; it had a lot of great lore, depending on what island what you were experiencing. And uh, there was a lot of great stuff in Inazuma as well, but the integration didn't really feel there. Then when we get to Sumeru, it got a lot better. You know, we, we we're always seeing data run around. Tinari is always playing a big role. Kali's there. Sino, once he's introduced, is always popping in and out. Candace, while doing her thing in Aru Village, is is always around. All Haytham's helping us out. And they're making the characters that they want us to pull for, that we want to play as, giving us a lot more to, to grasp onto and to bond with these characters. Not only relying on their character hangouts or their individual character quests, but experience them in the Archon quest directly to feel like that they are actually part of our core adventure rather than kind of being, you know, sent off in their own individual corners for us to experience on the side. And I've really come to, to appreciate that in Fontaine. As far as the area itself, Fontaine has been absolutely fantastic. I believe that the underwater exploration and the combat and everything that's had to do with that is probably some of the best underwater I've experienced in any video game ever. You know, pro probably, you know, I, again, I, I've done underwater exploration since original, you know, Super Mario Brothers and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which was god-awful, all the way up to uh, Guild Wars, World of Warcraft, and things like that. And underwater exploration is always tedious or bad at worst, and then mediocre at best but i really feel like just not only in terms of the exploration but also it just visually has been absolutely stunning and hoya really knocked it out of the park with fontaine the overworld exploration i think that they took all of the the things that bothered a lot of people in previous areas and then kind of compound all that and made it a lot better there's a lot of vertical areas but they made exploring it not so bad in Liyue, when they introduced a lot of verticality, there was a lot of climbing with not a lot of assistance on how to get to these heights. You just had to do a lot of climbing. And it made a lot of exploration, finding chests and challenges and stuff, a bit of a slog. And it just wasn't fun. But starting in Inazuma with the little jump points in Sumeru, with the Dendro chain reactions, and now in Fontaine, they give us floating airships that we can take, the little warp points has been very, very good in 
and making verticality not such a chore, but make it still feel rewarding. And I feel like Fontaine is really taking the the lessons that I learned from previous areas and brought them all together to make a very seamless experience. I never feel like I'm struggling to explore any part of Fontaine. Even in the tallest mountains or peaks, there's usually a jump point or something you take to get to it. It's been a very rich and rewarding experience, and I hope that as we prepare to leave Fontaine and head into Natland, they continue to to take these lessons and build upon them and to make the exploration process just that much better with every expansion. The music in Fontaine, I do feel like, is still good. Uh, there is a lot of orchestral pieces. The battle music is is very light and floating. I do enjoy that. The exploration music can go from just very casual and light to very somber and just melodic, such as like when you're underwater. And they've done a lot with the music in this one. The underwater exploration, the music underneath, I, I can literally just go underwater and just float there and just let the music play in the background, which I've actually done at work to just relax to. And it's been just very nice. But then you have, again, like the Fontanian city music, which I've gone on this show and I, I've openly stated and been criticized for saying felt too a Disney feeling and kind of like, you know, cartoony or, or whimsical. But after having experienced the Archon Quest and seeing how the nation itself functions and watching as the Archon Quest played out, we saw everything that happened with Fiorina and how the, the entire premise of the nation revolves around not just the, the nation of justice, but all this theatrics and the drama. It does fit the city very well, and I do concede to that. I do feel that it is very, very fitting for the area itself. And then when we go, and then, for instance, when we see in the, in the most recent Archon quest with, with Fauchelor and Fiorina, the, 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 the music that plays when Fauchelor is doing her dance before, before the end of it all, and the orchestrated or even the melodic pieces that they play during all these are very impactful for, for their settings. And then on the... On the far opposite end of the spectrum, when we go and we fight the the all-devouring narwhal in the abyss, the music is very dark, very heavy, very intense, with things like you know electronic and dubstep and stuff mixed in to add that sense of intensity of like this is this is a really big deal, and it was a very nice touch to to really add to the ambiance as as music is supposed to do. I know a lot of people were were kind of nervous when uh, when the composer that the, the head composer whose name I cannot recall off the top of my head at the moment uh, left the Hoya Mix team. A lot of people were scared and nervous about it, but little did we know that a lot of the Fontaine music was all that we had heard was already done before they even left. And the Hoya Mix team ha- hasn't hasn't skipped a beat. They haven't dropped the ball in any. By by any stretch of the imagination, they've done an absolutely fantastic job, and I have nothing but high expectations for for Natline and then the next expansions. Whenever we start getting the next batch of music, I think it's going to be absolutely great. the The music itself, I do feel, is very very good in Fontaine. It, it's definitely grown on me. It is stronger than places I feel like were in Inazuma, Liyue, Mondstadt, but I still personally do feel that the Sumero music is better. The The overworld exploration music is was very fitting, especially in the forest. Um, the desert was very low and kind of brooding and kind of heavy, made you feel that, that sense of desolation that deserts are kind of known for. But places like Port Ormos, or in Sumero City itself, the music and the themes that play are just felt a lot more impactful to their areas. And they just stick with me a lot more than the Fontaine music does. And maybe it's because I'm just drowned in the Fontaine music right now. 
But I know that when we recently had our camera event, which we just did, I went back to Sumeru to take pictures of birds and such like that. And as soon as I went back to the forest and I heard that Sumeru music start to play, I was hit with this nostalgia, with with just sense of this feels good. I I feel I'm very comfortable. I've actually missed this when I went back to it because I haven't really gone back to Sumeru for any reason since you know we've been exploring Fontaine. And I just I just feel like the music is just a better complete piece. The battle music is. I'm just gonna go and say it. I I personally believe that the battle music in Sumeru is the absolutely peak battle music nothing nothing to say anything against you know things like Raiden Shogun's battle theme or anything like that but when I listen to that and then I compare it to say like you know the the music that we hear during the Apep boss fight which is a very a very majestic and a very triumphant you know orchestrated piece it feels more to this exceptional fantasy adventure and to me personally, I feel like the soundtrack of Sumeru ca- captures all these feelings a lot better than the Fontanian music has. The Fontanian music fits its its the, its themes very very well, but I I don't feel that that sense of high fantasy I guess. But Font with Fontaine being a nature surrounded by this dark prophecy, it it, it does fit it very well. But it just didn't resonate with me as much on a personal level. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of you that disagree. And that's completely fine. This is all just my personal opinion on it. The enemies in Fontaine, I could take it or leave it. Um, the, the, the Garden Mechs, you know, the Mech Dogs and, the, and things like that were all very, very cool. The, the sea creatures were, were fine. You know, Stingrays, Crabs. Nothing really jumped out at me. The, I don't know what they're called, but the, the purple orb, like, alien things that you find in that one part of Fontaine are just kind of there. They don't seem to come off as anything special. And they, they there's not many of them, so they all drop, like, you know, a butt-ton of match for you to farm, which, which is really, really good. That way I don't have to do a whole lot of them. But aside from that, really wasn't a whole lot. You had your standard treasure hunters and things like that. The... The thing that was the very special edition were definitely the addition of world bosses. Where I remember going on Twitter and people posting up, you know, well, this is the hardest boss in the game. And posting a picture of one of the of the Hydro enemies. Like, well, what is this? I don't get it. And it wasn't until I ran into Vivian of the Lake or Ninian of the Lake. And I learned real quick what people were talking about. Because that was harder than probably... Any boss that we've, any boss or challenge that we've come across in the game yet, aside from maybe Yayamiko's training session before we went to go fight Raiden Shogun, that caught me off guard. And I'll tell you what, Vivian of Light definitely rocked my world. Uh, and then again later on, with every expansion, they've added some, you know, some that were underwater that took took special mechanics, like there were the crab ones where you had to build up the shield and fire the shots back. Or we had the most recent one. There's a uh, there's a, there's one of the squid bosses, to where they shoot a bubble and you have to channel your ability to catch the bubble and, and then work it back to them. But then I run into you know one of the big ones now was uh, Liam, who's on the top part. I think it's Araneas, and you just run by him and he says, "Let's do this thing." And then he comes in and just does this roundhouse kick and pretty much one shots your you know your your strongest character. And it's just such a an awesome and refreshing experience to find something like this out in the world. And when you do find them, when you when you attack this enemy, hey, what's this? And this name bar appears. You know you're in for a fight. You know you're in for some challenging content. For something that's not just, you know, going and using two elemental skills and killing off a couple mobs for some for some easy materials. Like this is a challenge. When you beat it, you know, you get that achievement. And it's just a very rich world-building and rewarding experience, I feel. And I really hope that they continue to add these in their subsequent releases because they, they are very, very fun. And I look forward to, to finding all the different world bosses and experiencing them. Some of the the new, I forgot, the new Fatui enemies uh, were, were kind of neat. 
Um, it was kind of like the new Hillatrol enemies that we got in the Sumeru Desert. The new Fatui, uh, the, the sword fighters were, they're very aesthetically pleasing additions to the game. But other than that, I mean, they're, they're just more mobs for us to go and beat up for another elusive character building material. So it's fine. Uh, the enemies, again, aside from the world bosses, didn't really add a whole lot to the game for me in Fontaine. But I think that's fine. I think a lot of the, the focus was definitely hardcore on the Archon quest itself, as well as the um, the underwater experience to where they had to add new mechanics and enemies and stuff done that. And by focusing on those areas and really pouring in their resources, they definitely excelled at what they were trying to accomplish. The And in, in, in that sense, I would also say that I should have covered this back when I was talking about the Air's exploration, but underwater experience, uh, the caves and underwater map, huge, huge bonus. Um, God, that's made everything so much better. And I'm sure people that have gone back to Sumeru to try and uncover the the cave materials or challenges, stuff like that, are very, very thankful for those additions as well. Um, I got through all that crap when it was new and fresh, and we didn't have underground maps except for the ones that we had to find, you know, online through guides so yeah nice additions there um we already already reflected on the characters a lot i don't think there's a new character in fontaine that i generally do not like in every expansion i feel like there's always been a character that I just have not liked like at all. Like I just I just don't like this character. Whether like I mean I didn't really like Kujo Sara in Inazuma, and I probably just picked a fight with a whole lot of people there. Um Yaimiko, I thought was very cool, but very manipulative, not really my jam. In Liyue, um, I, I don't like um I can't even think of her name right now. Um the dancer girl. Um yeah, so that that's how, that's how much I really care about her. And again, probably probably um, picking fights with people there. Um, so yeah, I just uh, Yunjin, Yunjin, that's her, that's her name. There's always been like one character in every expansion that I just do not like or just don't care for. But it kind of does, but you know, I, can't, I was going to say it kind of started in Samaro, but in Samaro, I, I absolutely hate Dory. So, but in Fontaine, there are characters I'm kind of lukewarm to, like Fremenet. I'm just kind of like, or, or Siege Wing. I'm kind of like, eh, it, they're okay. They don't really appeal to me, but I don't dislike them. The Delta's adventure that we that we just completed uh, warmed me up to Fremenet a lot as a character. Uh, and even with Siegeling, the the small roles that she played in the Forces of Meripede don't make me dislike the character. I may not be, you know, endeared to them, but they're completely fine. I, I don't mind adding them to my roster. But all the other characters, I mean, Risley. I mean, I just triple crowned Risley. Risley was amazing. Um, Nouvellet, I regret that Nouvellet didn't answer my calls. Um, Farina, when I first ran to Farina, um, I didn't care for her character design, but I thought her attitude and her eccentricness and her nature made her a very standout character. And being to see her, you know, her story unfold throughout the Archon Quest has made me love Farina. And, you know, I, I threw all my pulls at her until I lost my 50-50. And, but then I, I just stopped because I'm trying to save up for Navia. Because um, Navia, I've absolutely, I definitely just fell in love with Navia's character, her design, her personality, and everything. I mean, they've called me out on the Discord for that, but every time Navia comes out, I mean, I'm going to gush a little bit because that's an absolute peak character to me. Uh, Clorin, even though I don't see Clorin doing a whole lot on screen, I know what a prominent role she plays off to the side, and she's a very cool looking character. And all the jokes and discussions aside about her rarity and whatnot, I, I like Corinne. I think Corinne is is very very cool, and I want to see, I want to see her take a more prominent role 
as the story moves on. Maybe in the next chapter, we'll see a little more of her on screen. Or maybe her gameplay or her own personal character chapter will actually blow me away. Which I'm really looking forward to. Um, Nuvalet, absolute peak character. Uh, through, through the whole team, I, the whole time is just, you know, Zhongli 2.0. And I am definitely here for it. And even characters like, you know, Charlotte. Charlotte Charlotte exhausts me because of Charlotte's personality. She's very high energy. Go, go, go. And that just wears on me over time. But Charlotte herself is a good character. You know, all, all the all the siblings, Lenny, Lynette, and Fremine, they all work together very well. And they play prominent roles. And, and I tend I tend to enjoy them whenever they show up on scene. Arlachino, the Fatui Harbinger, who we actually worked in partnership with to, you know, work on the disaster after it hit Poisson. Arlachino is such a deeply developed character. I can't wait to experience more with her to see what role she's going to play. And I would love for her to maybe eventually become playable because people are saying, well, we need more playable Harbingers. And if she became playable, that would be great because she has just been just absolutely incredible to watch with her interactions with Fiorina, then with the Traveler, and then coming in in the last Archon quest with Navi and then Poisson. Arlochino's been great. So... The characters in Fontaine have really just just hit a lot of notes with me that I've just really, really enjoyed. I would say the only character that hasn't, and I think it's, it's not anything against the character itself, but just we haven't to we just haven't experienced them yet is the is the new guard girl, uh, guard girl character that's getting ready to come out, who's only mentioned like briefly once, who's going to be added in uh, in the four point three update. And other than that, I mean, that's pretty much about it. So the characters in Fontaine have just been absolutely fantastic. And the way they've been constantly integrated into the story so seamlessly into where they're always making appearances and playing to their specific strengths and their roles has been very, very good. The I, I can't go on enough about how great the Archon Quest has been in Fontaine. While I can't say I enjoyed being kind of sequestered away and locked into places. Like in the first Archon Quest, we're locked in the courtroom, you know, for that whole bit. And until you're done with the Archon Quest, you know, you're stuck in the courtroom. When it came to the Fortress of Meripede, everything took place in the Fortress of Meripede, just because that's where the story was taking place. So it felt like we were very kind of bottlenecked in a certain areas when it came to story. But... The experiences have been very, very good. And even when we were, you know, lore-wise in the Forces of Meripede, they did let us go out and explore and, and see the world and do things like that. So we weren't just trapped in this building until we got things done. And even if we were, the Archon Quest had been relatively short and more manageable than, say, like, the extensively drawn-out Archon Quest in Sumeru. So they were a lot more manageable, a lot quicker to get through, um... And just the content that they packed in there felt a lot more streamlined. And I can appreciate that level of, uh, of input on there. Other than that, the lore that we've gotten, uh, everything through the Ordo quest, which I know Emerald would love to just sit here and just talk to you off for like an hour on her own about all the stuff that we uncovered with that, all the throwbacks to things like Kinomiya, the, the deep dive and the, and, the, and the lore content that we're getting from the Abyss, there's there's been a lot that's been in play with Fontaine. I mean, we had the the information about Nuvolet since Inconomia, I think, in the books and the lore in there. Just to give you an idea of how far back we're going. And the way that these, this story t- keeps building upon its own lore and bringing things that we may not have noticed or paid a whole lot of attention to in the past, unless you're, you know, someone like Emerald, uh, you know, bless her, you know, because that that is just where she excels. If you're not paying attention to a lot of these things, to the things that you know Dainsleaf is sharing with us during the flashbacks with Car- with uh, Kari Bear that we got at the end of Sumeru, there's a lot that can go amiss until we're given these new points and we're able to to take to take these and connect the dots and just watch how everything's getting ready to, to come together. It's, 
it's really an exceptional piece of of storytelling that I feel that by the time we are actually done with our adventures in Tavat, we're going to look back, I mean, probably all the way back to Mosset and just realize what an in-depth story has been just written and slowly unraveled for us to experience. I, again, I, I, I can't speak highly enough of the way that Hoyo continues to build upon these experiences for us because every chapter and every experience that we've had has is slowly building up and slowly coming together. I mean, child plays such a huge role in 4.2. And we've been dealing with child since, you know, running into him in the UA to where he was giving us money to, you know, to do stuff with him in the Fatui. And now again, we had the thing with the Hydro Dragon with Nuvalet since, you know, Inconomia. There's been so many tie-ins from old regions to new that it makes the world feel more connected. When we learned that, you know, in, in Sumeru, we learned that Lisa was a student at the Academia. And then when she comes back to go in the city, even though it was kind of like a casual visit, we got to experience her coming back and seeing, you know, what role she played and how, what, why she left Sumeru in the first place to pursue her own endeavors. And if we can get more content like that to where it pulls from the stories and the characters of old and bringing them into, into the fore into, into the, into the forefront with the, with the new content that we're getting, that's going to make things just feel so much better. Um, going all the way back, I, as a lot of people I know read the Genshin comic books or the, the, the web comics uh, back in the day where we first saw uh, El Dottore, um, who had like the half gesture mask and then seeing his glow up when he appeared in Sumeru. Uh, the stuff with Kali and Amber. And then... Dialing and then going back when we went to the Wimbledon event and then Kali going back and meeting Sucrose. There's been so much back and forth that I want them to do more of. And I'm hoping that a lot of characters don't get left behind as we do this. Because they did a good job. Like they brought, for instance, like Yoimiya's character chapter part two. She came to Sumero because she was going on a trip. And that was all well and good. It was nice to bring her to Sumer and help her experience something, but it did feel kind of like a chance encounter. And I don't want things like that. I don't want, hey, I'm just here by chance. Um, let's like when we ran into Mona in the recent R Conquest, even though her work with the prophecy and stuff, you know, it, it fit and we needed it and it was a good storytelling element, it did feel very kind of ham-fisted in a place to where there probably could have been other ways to go about it. And I would like things to be a little more seamless, I guess. So we'll see if they're able to kind of compound on that to to build upon these storytelling elements and to make things feel more or an integrated and congruent story, rather than, hey, this character is going to make a random cameo appearance, and that's all well and good. I like this character, but I don't want to go into that land and be in the land of fire and be like, you know, Shinha shows up because you know. Everything's cold, and she wanted to see what it would like for some place to be warmer. That 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 doesn't do anything, you know. It's like when we when Baiju was introduced, he was just kind of thrown out there. He wasn't integrated. He just kind of showed up. We don't want that. We want Hoyo to continue to expand, and to learn, and to grow, and to increase her efforts to to make things more more smooth and more and more you know smoothly flowing. I guess we'll go ahead and say, but. As we get ready to depart from Fontaine through the next couple of expansions and get ready to head towards Natlan, which is going to be the home of the Pyroarchon, the Nation of Dragons, where apparently the dragon people are going to be waiting for us, apparently. Um, I mean, I have high hopes that everything's going to be just a great experience. So I, I'm, I'm definitely very, very much looking forward to it. I know a lot of you are as well. But before that, we still are going to have some, some content to go through in Fontaine. You know, we're going to have 4.3, which, you know, Navia's drip has started. 
and we're probably going to see, you know, we still got to have our releases for characters like Corin and Siege Wing and whatnot. So there's going to be more Fontaine content. Uh, hopefully we'll have a nice, good, deep interlude chapter to where we can run to our boy Dainsleaf again and maybe actually touch up on, you know, our, our, our core quest of trying to find our sibling. Because aside from the from the Caribate, the Caribare chapter and Yoimiya asking about it, we haven't really done much in terms of chasing our sibling. So that needs to kind of come back because again, that is the core reason that why the traveler is into that. So hopefully we'll get a more touchback on that. Look forward to it. And you know that when those interlude chapters hit and we start hitting that really that nice heavy uh abyss and descender and celestial lore that uh animal is definitely going to be coming here full steam so that is definitely something you can look forward to but i'm going to go ahead and wrap it up there again that's just a little personal reflection for me on my experience in fontaine um exploration great music good uh characters great enemies okay uh world enemies great uh lauren story absolutely fantastic so all in all, I would have to say Fontaine, man. Uh, I would say a flat A, maybe A minus. Um, you know, de- definitely peak content as of right now compared to the rest. Uh, still some room for improvement. Um, the Fontanians really like to talk a lot, uh, kind of like me on this episode. I just talk a lot, and you're just kind of waiting for me to wrap it up so you can move on with your day. So hopefully they kind of dial that back a little bit. So whenever we go on a, a random commission or you know, a little side event quest. They're not talking our ear off in unvoiced dialogue for 15 minutes. So that, that, that can use a little more improvement. If it was voiced, I feel like it'd be different. But like part one of the Thelxis Fantastic Adventure, I mean, Fremenet just seemed to, to, to talk for forever. Uh, and even though that was voiced, it just it just kept going. Um, I mean, it wasn't R&R, it kept going, but man, it kept going. So, um... Quick question of the week real quick. Uh, this one was submitted by Metallic Cat in the Discord. And Metallic Cat asked, if you were able to apprentice under any Genshin playable character for six weeks, who would it be and why? And they actually submitted this, uh, this question in the Discord, and we got a lot of fun and uh, fun little uh, answers to that one. I know that we had uh, Deslam said that he would like to be under Sino because um, they both tell terrible jokes, and that that just sounds like a match made in hell. Uh, MQ Mitch says that his first character came to mind is Farzan. Uh, he thinks that Farzan is an interesting character, and I think that Farzan, being actually a teacher at heart, is, is a pretty solid answer. I can't, I can't disagree with that. Uh, especially after experiencing Farozan's uh, character chapter. She's a very sweet and earnest character. And I, I, I could see that being interesting and very educational. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be a fun time because that's, that's a lot of intensive learning, I feel. But uh, yeah, that would definitely be interesting. Soupy says Yoi Mia just because she would be super fun to hang out with and also making fireworks would be a lot of fun. As someone that has tinkered with making explosives and stuff back when... I was younger and didn't know any better. Uh, I, I can't agree that making these go boom is very, very fun. And Yoi Mia is just, I mean, just a fantastic character who's going to make anything you do just an absolute blast. Um, haha. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. There, there's a decent level of fun for you. Um, Intat Raptor says Lisa, who, <laughs> it was a nice little analysis that Raptor put in here. It says that Lisa is probably the most overqualified for their job person in Tevat. Which is absolutely true because Lisa was like top of her class in the academia. Um, and like her power is like she could be like one of the strongest people like in Tibet, if I'm not mistaken. So, but she just, she's just lazy and doesn't want to do it. Uh, so he says, plus, you know, there would be a lot to learn on the side. But I also suspect there would be a lot of chill down time, again, because Lisa doesn't like to work. So you can read, play, make board games for Klee. And, of course, to tack in on the very end of that, 
Lisa is also a lot of a flirt and purple electro cutie. So um, a lot of qualifying um, points there, uh, namely the last little bit that I feel. Uh, you're kind of like me. You give a lot of these these great reasons. Oh, this person's like all these things, and then then the, the, they're also you know a flirt and they're and, and they're cute or they're hot or whatever. And well, we're just gonna wear that on our sleeve as well. So not trying to call you out for anything. I just I call them how I see them. As far as for me, I feel like. Initially, I want to answer something with like, you know, Ito. Oh, well, you know, I'm just going to go and hang out with Ito for six weeks. And we'll just do beetle fights and goof off and just have fun. But the more I thought about it, the more I feel like Ito is one of those people I can go and meet up with at a party and have an absolute blast. I mean, just have a great time. But a week much less six weeks of just straight Ito, I, I I don't think I could do. I mean, I would just be throwing crazy beans just to get him away from me, to be completely honest. Ito's one of those characters I could take in, like, small doses, but as a permanent fixture of everyday life for six weeks, I would probably go insane, you know? You know, you, you go and you're like, you know, Wiffle Ball Steve, you know, throws a great party. Let Wiffle Ball Steve throw the party. Don't let Wiffle Ball Steve house sit your house for while you're on vacation. Just to just don't do it because it's going to be a nightmare. You know, let, let, let people do what they're good at. Take them in small doses and then get a fresh air and then go back when you have some more fun. So, um, man, as far as like somebody that I would that I could study underneath for six weeks. Oh, man. That, that, that is actually kind of a tough one. I want to say Risley because Risley is a very cool dude, but I'm not staying in an underwater death trap for, for six weeks. And uh, maybe... Huh. I would say maybe Kaya... Or Dea, like one of the more kind of like adventurous characters. Just because I feel like it would be educational in a lot of aspects. But it would also, again, like an adventure in of itself. If I'm with Kai, you know, we're going to go and we're going to do the things that he's going to do for the Knights of Favonius. But Kai is such as a chill, you know, go with the flow character. That you know, even in the most serious of circumstances, it, it, you're going to have a pretty good time. Uh, I could probably go with Dea. Um, one, because Dea is waifu. But Dea would, on the one hand, be teaching about you know like desert survival and things like that. But she's just such a chill and cool character that I could just I could just hang out and just do cool crap with Dea, and I would be completely okay with it. Tenari would grate my nerves. I'll hate them. I would want to punch in the teeth. Kaveh cries too much. Um, Yai Miko would manipulate me and trick me into doing things that I don't want to do. I would have said maybe Yoi Mia, but Supi kind of beat me to it, and I kind of don't want to copy that answer. Cleach would just be six weeks of babysitting, which would be fun, but I feel like after like day four, you would just be completely strung out and exhausted. And then there's like a lot of other characters I just, I, and I'm not trying to think and reflect back that I just can't recall off the top of my head, you know. It's like, what would it be like to be underneath Beto? Actually, you know, sailing under Beto for a while, that, that would be pretty freaking awesome. Um, but I couldn't be like under Ningguang or any of her, you know, Ganyu or Shinha or catching for six weeks because that would just be ceaseless work. And I, I do that now as it is. So yeah, I would probably say some of the more... Um, Openly adventurous types to keep from copying the answers that were already submitted. Yeah, I would probably go with with the likes of maybe Kaya or or Dea. I feel like that that would be a, a good time to where it, I could learn some stuff, but also just go on an adventure and do some really cool crap. So, uh, I hope that uh, that's a satisfying answer for you, Metallic Cat. Now, again, you you got a lot of good ones in the Discord. I was glad I was able to reflect on that and submit some of our uh, 
some of our Discord community submissions uh, in lieu of uh, Emerald not being able to take part in that question of the week. So uh, if you would like to submit a question of the week of yourself, again, you can join our Discord at discord.gg forward slash the resonance. And again, throw out a question of the week. We'll have a discussion about it, and we might even cover it just like we did now on the show itself. So with that, I think that's going to wrap it up uh, this week for me. Again, I know it's been kind of an odd week with just here, you know, me by myself and just talking kind of one-on-one with you. But I hope you've enjoyed my little uh, reflection and compare and contrast. And if there are some points that you agree with or points that you disagree with, uh, maybe some of the comparisons that I made, chime in on the Discord and let me know. Tell me tell me what you think. Yeah, Rand, like you were... You were spot on about the Samira music being the peak and it kind of teetering off of Fontaine. Or you can come back and tell me off by, no, the, the, the storytelling and the characters in Inazuma were absolute peak and you're wrong and it's been all downhill and Riley doesn't compare to Ito or Goro in, in any way. I mean, if that's your opinion, come in and share it. I mean, I would love to have these kind of discussions with you guys. Again, join us in that. We'll have a good time. So thank you. Everybody for chiming in, hanging out with me, and listening as I kind of padded this week out until everyone gets to feeling better and we can touch back next week. So next week's going to be episode 84. If everything goes all according to plan, we'll be diving to Farina's character chapter. So hopefully you can look forward to that. So until then, have a great day. Have a great night. Good luck on your Sino and Ayato pulls if that's what you're going for. Enjoy your fungi battles. And I will see you next week. Ad Astra. Have a sauce.